Hello, my friends. It's Bill Allen from Tyler, Texas and the West Irwin Church of Christ. I'm happy to join you today. Always happy to be able to share from God's word uh, publicly, privately at any time and through any means. What a blessing that we have in 2020, especially in 2020, to get to share uh, the word of God and the comfort that comes from God's word with with each other in spite of the fact that we are miles and miles and miles separated uh, many of us and so it's uh it's a blessing to be able to be with you today i hope that you're doing well and i hope that all of your family is healthy and safe and i'm looking forward to uh, joining with you today and looking at one of the most well-known and loved passages of scripture we've been going through the psalms and of course probably when you uh, think about the Psalms, you think about the 23rd Psalm, and that's where we'll be today. Uh, we've looked at a lot of different kinds of Psalms, penitential Psalms, such as David writes in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. Um, we've looked at Psalms of praise uh, and blessing, such as in Psalm 8 and Psalm 148 and others like that. We've looked at Psalms of lament, such as Psalm 137. And this past week, uh, we looked at psalms that emphasize God's abiding presence under the theme of Thou art with me. So it's wonderful to see that several of you are with me as well today. My dear friends, uh, Cindy and Eric Mosley, love y'all, love you, miss you so much. And uh, my cousin Gail, great to see you, Gail, love you and Keith and have so many of uh, family members and friends that join in on these studies. Some of you say hello, most of you do not, and I am okay with that. I want you to know that it doesn't bother my self-esteem at all, uh, and I appreciate being able to share uh, God's word in such a wonderful way. Uh, Lenny and Joe Allard are dear old friends of ours, and I love you guys, love your family. Uh, we're a family with your family, and what a blessing uh, you all have been to us and continue to be, obviously. Um, I do want us to uh, get to the 23rd Psalm today. This is the only Psalm we're going to cover today because it's just that good. <laughs> Actually, they're all that good, but uh, we've been able to breeze through several of them. And we'll be breezing through this one. This Psalm, Psalm the 23rd Psalm, could be a whole series of sermons. Uh, but we're going to look at it today in one brief lesson uh, and uh, excited about uh, being able to share uh, this great psalm uh, with you. Um, I can uh, tell you that we have looked at these psalms uh, this past Tuesday that reminded us of God's wonderful abiding presence, how he is with us and how that is such a great blessing. Uh, we looked at uh, great psalms such as the 139th Psalm uh, that speaks of of how we are wonderfully made and amazing presence of God that fills our lives from the womb uh, to the grave. And what a great blessing uh, that is. Uh, psalm 46 as well. Uh, these psalms say these statements, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, our stronghold. And then the call at the uh, towards the end of Psalm 46 to be still and know that I am God. What a great blessing Psalms 46 and 139 are to us that emphasize God's wonderful abiding presence. But when you think about God's abiding presence and how thou art with me, 
uh, is our uh, encouraging prayer to God. Uh, we think of the 23rd Psalm. It's not only the best known Psalm, uh, I'm sure, uh, but arguably the most loved scripture in all of the Bible. Um, whenever I use or teach it, I usually use the King James Version, <clears throat> the AV or the KJV, the authorized version, authorized by King James of England uh, in 1611. Uh, it's been revised and there's um, other versions of it, but it goes back to that uh, English of 1611. And for so very many of us, we grew up memorizing scripture in the King James. I've tried to memorize scripture in the more, um, more common language of the day. English has changed a bit uh, in those hundreds of years. Uh, and so I try to use a, a more contemporary translation. I typically have used since the 70s, the New International uh, Version, and I use the latest of that version to do my teaching and preaching because I think it's reliable. Uh, it's not perfect. There is no perfect translation, but it's it's reliable. It's uh, accurate, and uh, there are some things I wish they would have done differently with it, but that's okay. I could say that about all of the translations, and the King James Version is one of the ones that is uh, doesn't use some of the uh, earliest manuscripts that have been discovered since the King James Version was originally translated. Uh, and so there's a, there's a lot to be said about translations. As you have heard me say many times, the best translation is the one you will read. Um, but I can tell you that when I teach and preach on the 23rd Psalm, I typically use the King James Version because it's just so beautifully written, uh, true to the text, and, um, and it's good to look at the NIV or the English Standard Version, a more literal, more contemporary English translation, or some other English translation and uh, be able to use that. Uh, but that's the one that I like uh, to use. And so what I want us to do is to go through this great song, very familiar terms, very familiar words, very familiar statements, and just think about all of the great and wonderful and amazing things that this psalm uh, has to share. The heading says it's a psalm of David. That makes sense. Uh, the psalm has two images that it uses to describe the presence and nearness of God. Uh, the first one is shepherd. The second one is a host of a, of a meal. Um, and this first one, of course, David was very familiar with both, but he was certainly familiar with what it meant to be a shepherd. He was a shepherd boy. And that was his trade. That was his role in his family, uh, and and that aspect never left him. And then if that heading is accurate, and it seems to me like this would be very consistent with what David would have written uh, sometime uh, uh, almost 3,000 years ago, that uh, this, would be, um, this would be something that David would have written. He would have understood what it meant to be on the run. He would have understood what it meant uh, to be hurting. He would have understood what it meant for God to take care of him. And uh, this man, after God's own heart, relied on God in a very special way, just like his sheep relied on him when he was their shepherd. So I want us to look through this psalm. We'll talk about it. I'll share a few other little illustrations from it. And then we'll um, uh, close up this study today of God's abiding presence. Thou art with me uh, with uh, the reading of Psalm 23 uh, in the familiar translation. 
So first of all, the, uh, the image is that of shepherd, and it starts off with those immortal words, the Lord is my shepherd. David understood what it meant to be a shepherd. He understood the responsibility, and he also understood the care and compassion that a shepherd, a true shepherd, a loving shepherd would have. One of the great passages of scripture that deal with shepherds is John chapter 10, uh, where Jesus makes that great statement, I am the good shepherd. And he says, my shepherd know me and I know them. My shepherd hear my voice and they obey because they know me and they know my voice. That relationship between a shepherd and the sheep, uh, that is uh, a relationship of trust. And it's a relationship of, of intimacy, really intimacy. A shepherd and the sheep, would they would basically uh, live together while they were away and the shepherd would be there with them. Uh, David understood that the Lord was his shepherd. As he thought about the ones who would care for him and take care of him, it wasn't just his armies. It wasn't just his best friends who were around him and protecting him and would give their lives for him, and many did. But David understood that ultimately it was the Lord who was his shepherd, and the Lord is my shepherd as well, and he is your shepherd the Lord is my shepherd, David writes, I shall not want. Um, the NIV translation of that is, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. We think of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, in one of Joyce's, my wife's favorite passages, where Jesus says, look, think about the flowers of the field, the wildflowers, the lilies of the field. Uh, think about the birds of the air. Uh, the flowers don't they don't do any extra effort, and yet God takes care of them and gives them what they need. Same with the birds of the air. And, and Jesus in that passage says, look, you're, you're not going to go without of things that you need. You may not have everything you want. You may not even have your needs supplied with the way that you think they should be supplied. But what King David says is, with the Lord as my shepherd, I lack nothing. I I shall not want. We remember Paul's words in Philippians 4 where he says, look, I've, 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 been, I've, I've been both ways. I've had plenty and I've been in and understood what it means to be without and to go without. And he says, basically, the Lord helped me in all of those. And David understood that as well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. I shall not need things that uh, our necessities, God will provide for all of my needs. And um, that great passage in Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is in the context of this very thought, that God provides all of our needs. Uh, and he gives us the things, whether it's a little or a lot, uh, he provides us what we need and we can do all things. Whatever we're going through, we can go through that because the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. One of the things about a shepherd is that uh, the shepherd provides for the sheep, provides guidance, provides direction, and provides those necessities. Uh, just as David had said, I shall not want, he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures, pastures that are full. Uh, as you think of sheep, they're needing to eat something. And, and David says, I, I have plenty around me. 
Uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters, not the stormy waters, not the fast currents that are so dangerous, but rather not the flooding floods that we've seen uh, with all of our storms this hurricane season, but still waters. Uh, he tells us that he leads us behind, beside the quiet waters. Um, that's what a shepherd does. Um, and, and the shepherd leads. We forget that sometimes, that the shepherd does lead the sheep. Uh, the shepherd provides for the sheep, but the, the, the shepherd also um, gives them direction and guidance. And our shepherd does the same with us. He doesn't just provide for all of our comfort, but he actually gives us direction in our lives and gives us commands and and we need to do what the good shepherd says. David understood that. He understood how important it was as shepherd, but he also understood what it how important it was to be obedient to the word of the Lord, his good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He restoreth my soul. David understood that. I don't know if these words were written before or after the uh, sins with Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. But David understood. He cried out in Psalm 51 and in Psalm 32. He cried out that God would restore him and that he would, he would uh, be able to be forgiven. And then he thanked God for that forgiveness and understood what it was like uh, to be forgiven of such horrible, horrible sins. David understood what it meant for the Lord to restore him. He renews him. He refreshes him. Uh, he forgives his sin, but he also provides him the things that he needs, such as rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, the shepherd offers guidance. He gives us a, a place to go and a direction to go. And again, David understood that. He understood what it meant for God to lead him. But God leads us in paths of righteousness. There is a right and wrong. There is, there is an ultimate truth. And that truth is found in God's word. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, as he called himself in John chapter 10, he said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full have it abundantly. But how does that abundant life come? It comes when we hear God's word and we seek to obey it. We try to live according to the word and will and direction of our good shepherd. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In scripture, when the name of God is used, it, it's usually referring to God himself. And it's as if David is saying, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his sake, for God's sake. He does that. Um, we were talking about an incident in Jesus' life where he came across in John chapter 9, a man who had been born blind. And his disciples ask him the question we all ask when we see something like that or hear about it or experience it. Why? That was their question. Who's responsible for this? And Jesus said, look, this happened for the same reason that everything happens in life, and that is that God would be glorified. And that's what David means here. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everything God does, uh, he does so that we can be cared for, so that others around us can be cared for, and so that his name can be glorified, so that his kingdom can be advanced. And then this great statement in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Whenever I uh, use this psalm in a memorial service, a funeral service, and I use it in most every one, I always ask people what scriptures they would like. And if they don't say this one specifically, I ask them if it would be okay if I use it. And some say, no, that one's a little old. I'm tired of it. Not very many, though. Not very many at all. They say, oh, yes, yes, yes. Most of them request it without me ever saying anything about it. But when I read this passage in the service, I read it from the King James Version. (laughs) But I also pause at this moment. Because when I recite the words in verse 4, it has special meaning to the people that are hearing it. Because they are saying goodbye to a loved one. I do the same when I think of that one beatitude of Jesus' beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew 5. When Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, this passage offers so much great comfort for the mourners, offers so much great comfort for those who are struggling, for those who are worried and afraid. And this verse, verse 4, offers a great amount of that comfort. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. One of the great things about Scripture, including this statement, is that nowhere in Scripture does it say, we won't go through that valley. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we will be free from all of our trouble in this life because we follow Jesus. That's just not true. In fact, the opposite is true. Jesus himself would tell us throughout the Gospels, look, if you're going to be my disciple, it may be tougher on you than if you rejected me. Because that's how the world is. The world attacks the good. The world attacks the just. And the world attacked Jesus and crucified him. And so what the Lord said before he died was to his disciples, including us, look, if if it went this way for me and I am the Lord and master, why would you think that it wouldn't go that way for you or even worse? Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Um, John 16, verse 33. And so Jesus does exactly what David does here, and that is affirm that we go through the valley of the shadow of death. And perhaps David is thinking about his own death. There were many times in his life uh, where his life was threatened. A lot of times it was King Saul out of jealousy and rage. At other times, it was enemies such as the Philistines or others uh, who threatened his life. And and David understood what it meant to go through the valley of the shadow of death. He lost a child. Uh, He lost more than just one of his children. And one was an infant, a, a newborn, and another was his son, Absalom, who had tried to form a coup and take the, the throne away from his own father and put him to death. David understood what it meant and what it looked like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And so he can say these words, but I will fear no evil for thou art with me. We don't fear those things that threaten us, whatever they might be. It may be people. Um, it may be situations. It may be health. Um, we don't know. There's, there's uh, things that threaten us everywhere because that's the nature of this world. But what David says is, even though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. I think it's okay for us to be afraid. I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that, look, we don't, we don't want to die. We don't want to go through the pain. We don't want to go through that difficulty. We, we want our loved ones to be here with us forever. We don't want to see them suffer and be taken from us. And what we're saying there is we're not afraid of the eternal nature of this whole consequence, but we are afraid of the pain and the difficulty that we might go through in the meantime. And I think that's okay. Courage says, it, nowhere does courage say you're not afraid, but what courage says is that you act in spite of your fears. And I think we trust in spite of our fears. Trust and faith are really trust, really faith. When there are things that are threatening us, when there are things that we don't understand, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, God doesn't spare us from that. Um, and yet in the midst of that, as we do that, we don't have to be afraid because God is with us. I think that's one of the most comforting statements in Scripture, and it's one of the most comforting statements in this 23rd Psalm. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful statement. And he goes on and explains a little bit about that. In that verse, he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, and the rod and staff were used for protection. So David, as he says that, he understands he had been a shepherd. He had protected his sheep. He told that to uh, King Saul before he stood against Goliath, the Pharisee. And what, um, what David says here is that God, too, has a rod and staff. He provides us direction through that, just like a shepherd does, and guides the sheep along. But he also uses it to protect the sheep against a wolf or some other uh, a, a thief, or any other kind of threat. Um, the shepherd would, would use that, and David understood that God had weapons at his uh, control and in his hand that that he too could protect us from whatever's threatening you, whatever's threatening you today, whether it's this pandemic or you're afraid about the upcoming election or you're afraid about your economic situation or there's other health concerns for you or for those that you love. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And even further than that, God proclaims that he also is host. Um, but before we say anything more about that, I want to share something about a, a, a story that I've used before that speaks about what it means to be a shepherd. Um, and this is a, a story that I read uh, years ago. And it's uh, it goes like this. The story is told of a party of tourists that were on their way to Palestine. Their guide was describing some of the customs of the East. He was explaining how in England, for example, a shepherd follows the sheep. But in the east, the shepherd leads the way and the sheep follow him for they know his voice, just like Jesus says in John 10. 
When the tourist group reached Palestine, one of the first sights they saw was a flock of sheep not being led by the shepherd, but being driven along by the man. The guide, being perplexed, stopped to talk to the shepherd. How is it that you're driving these sheep? I think he was afraid he was losing face with the tourists. How is it that you're driving these sheep, he asked. I have always been told that the eastern shepherd leads his sheep. You're quite right, sir, replied the man. The shepherd does lead his sheep. But you see, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. And that's the difference. There are many, many voices out there that want to try to lead us, that want to try to drive us. They're butchers. They're just trying to destroy us. Jesus comes along and he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. The thief comes in. Sometimes even the hired hand, when there's a threat, they run. Because they love themselves more than the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Make sure that you're following the good shepherd today and not the butcher. The psalm continues in verse 5, and now we transition from the image of shepherd to the image of host. Verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. We understand the image of a host. We, we've hosted dinners before. We've gone to people's homes for dinners. Uh, and that's a great thing. And it's a wonderful thing. And we miss that in a pandemic where we don't get to do that as much. Perhaps even not at all. That day will come again, though. I know it will. I know it will. And David talks about the comfort that he gets from God being his host. Thou preparest a table before me. And that's great enough as it is. But David says, you do that in the presence of my enemies. And that's a statement of faith. It's a statement that says, hey, I've got this. You don't have to be afraid. In fact, I'm so confident that I've got this. The host says that uh, let's eat. I'll, I'll serve. I'll provide the meal. Even in the midst of your enemies, I'll provide the meal. Um, David says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And we are reminded of the customs of the Middle East, uh, anointing with oil um, and, and, and David says, you fill up my cup and, and it runs over. I remember the old song from youth group days. Oh, fill my cup, fill my cup, let it overflow. Do you remember that song? If you were in the youth group back in the seventies, you sang it, let it overflow with love. David says, I understand what it means to have God fill my cup. Luke says in Luke 6 that, that God, if we will be willing to give, that he will give back and it will be pressed down, shaken together, everything in the world to get everything in that cup that we possibly could, even overflowing. That's the image here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. One of the great blessings I had through Abilene Christian University and the Doctor of Ministry program I went through there was doing an intensive study for a project thesis on the Lord's Supper, putting uh, many of our wonderful Woodland West family members in Arlington uh, through that great joy that culminated with uh, a project thesis that I finished in 1992. But I did a lot of research, and one of the things that I researched about the Lord's Supper is that it's in the context of a meal. It, it's, it is a meal. 
Uh, and that's when Jesus instituted it at, I think, a Passover feast. And then the church used that. And for a, a long time, for decades, the church observed uh, the Lord's Supper in, in, in the midst of a common meal. And so there was that meal aspect of the Lord's Supper that was very important. And as I did that research, I ran across this story. Um, and it has to do with the 23rd Psalm as well. One author writes of a story about a nomad being pursued across the desert by his enemies. The desperate man comes upon an encampment. He rushes up to the tents, hoping that these strangers will receive him. He's being chased, remember? He runs up to the head tent and throws back the curtains. The inhabitants have just begun to eat. Breathlessly, he looks into their faces. Will they receive him or turn him away? They motion for him to enter and be seated. He breathes a sigh of relief. His pursuers finally reach the camp. They go to the tent he has entered. They also throw back the curtains, ready to seize the man and kill him. But when they see him seated at the table, they draw back and leave him in peace. For they know that in the Near East, it is a great act of hostility toward the host to trouble a person who is seated at someone's table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. That's the blessing that we have as God is our shepherd. The writer, uh, the great prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34 talks about how the shepherds of God's people Israel had forsaken their task as shepherd and they had they had not loved the sheep more than they loved themselves and their hearts were far away from carrying out God's will and sacrificing for the sheep. And God says, I am rejecting you as shepherds because of that. And in Ezekiel 34, God says, I am going to be the shepherd for my people Israel. I will be the one who will go looking for you when you get lost. I will be the one who will be caring for your needs. Um, and it reminds us of that great passage in 1 Peter 5 that speaks about elders in the church, also called bishops or overseers, also called pastors or shepherds. That those shepherds who shepherd God's people today, we remember Acts chapter 20, verse 28, as Paul wrote to the, or, or was talking with the elders from the church at Ephesus. He tells them to be shepherds or literally shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. First Peter 5, Peter talks to his fellow elders. He too was an elder talks to them about being shepherds, about caring for the sheep and remembering that we too, Peter tells his fellow elders, have a chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Um, Psalm 23 reminds us of those great passages and helps us understand what a good shepherd looks like and what a good shepherd does, just as Jesus Christ himself does. As he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. In addition to the song I sang a moment ago, there are other songs that this psalm brings out. As we think about the Lord is my shepherd, there are a few, a couple of uh, old hymns that we sing sometimes still. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. That song is a great song. And there's another song that's a little bit more uh, upbeat tempo. 
The Lord my shepherd is, I shall be well supplied. And that song is a wonderful song as well. Both of those songs, great songs, great lyrics that are taken directly from the 23rd Psalm. Put two wonderful tunes and music uh, together. But as we think about this thought of the presence of God, the abiding presence of God, thou art with me. I can't get away from this lesson without reminding you, and I've shared this before in some of my Facebook devotionals, but but telling you about my favorite verse of any song, contemporary, traditional, old hymn, brand new on the radio, popular music, religious music, whatever. I have lots of favorite songs. I have lots of favorite artists, but I have one favorite verse. And it's a verse from the song, Be With Me, Lord. And it's the third verse of a four-verse song, which means it sometimes doesn't get a lot of play. But that great verse reminds us of God's abiding presence, Thou art with me. And it's a prayer song. It's a prayer song. And that verse, that third verse says, Be with me, Lord, no other gift or blessing Thou couldst bestow could with this one compare a constant sense of thy abiding presence where'er i am to feel that thou art near no other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow could with this one compare a constant sense of thy abiding presence where I am to feel that thou art near. My favorite verse of any song, any type, any time, anywhere. Well, as we finish up this week's lessons on God's abiding presence, thou art with me. A little bit of a reminder that that, that abiding presence continues with us today. God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. We see him giving that promise in the days of Moses and Joshua. It's repeated again in the days of the writer of the book of Hebrews, who was talking to people who were being persecuted for their faith. Uh, and basic message was, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But the message was, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil, for thou, God, is with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. In the Gospel of Matthew, I love the way it begins and ends because it begins with the naming of this one who would come, who would be born of Mary, a virgin, uh, and she would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that this child would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, the Son of God. And then, as you know, that great Gospel of Matthew ends with these words, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's abiding presence. Um, Jesus said in John 14, before he left the disciples, before he left this earth, um, he told them, I'm going away. And that's a good thing. I'll send my Holy Spirit. But I'm also going away so that I can prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a home, a room, a mansion over the hilltop 
so that I can have a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will bring you with me so that you and I can be together forever. And that's how this psalm ends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For David, he understood that being in God's presence all his life was the greatest blessing he could ever have. And we have that same blessing. We know that not everything that happens to us will be good, but Romans 8, 28 tells us that everything that does happen to us, God can work in all of those things and will work in all of those things, good and bad, to bring about his will and to bring about our good uh, and our blessing. And that's what David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us, a room, a mansion, so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he will come back for us. And he tells us, you know the way where I'm going. And like uh, like Thomas and Philip and the other apostles that day, we look at each other and we ask the question, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way? And John 14, verse 6 is still true today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. And so now before we close, I want us to close with the reading of this incredible, great, and wonderful 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.